0: hello and welcome to the social world podcast.com your host is Dave Niven today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates welcome to podcast 29 the social world podcast it's good to have you back again This week, I have a terrific guest, as usual. And this week, we're going to look and focus on the international scene. David Jones. Now, David's a registered social worker. He qualified in the 70s, and all his working life, he's had a varied career and experiences on social work and social services in general, but children's services and child protection. He helped launch the Association of Independent um, local safeguarding children board chairs and he's currently the vice chair of that association but primarily and this is what we talk a lot about today david has been the president of the international federation of social workers Uh, he continues to play a leading role and he coordinates the global agenda for social work Um, now he's been a chair internationally advisor consultant he's also been the Chief Executive and General Secretary of the British Association of Social Workers. And that coincided also too with the period when I was the Honorary Chair of that association. But he still puts in a 29 hour day. And he was a visiting research fellow at Monmouth University in New Jersey earlier this year, editing the first report of the Global Agenda for Social Work, which is about to actually hit the streets very soon. And he talks about that. Uh, He's a member of the Policy, Ethics and Human Rights Committee of the British Association of Social Workers and previously has held so many different positions and therefore built up so much experience. It's a real good interview, a real good listen. He's held several national roles in government departments, agencies. He's worked with parliament, ministers, government officials. He was the deputy director for children and a professional advisor in the office of standards in education, children's services and skills, which of course is Ofsted. In 2010, he was awarded a doctorate in social work for research into the evaluation and the inspection of social work. He's a terrific listen, he's a great speaker, a great communicator, and he's always traveling around the world and has a real good insight into social work trends and social work um, landscapes, if you like, around the world. So let's have a good listen to David Jones.
1: David, hi, thanks again. Now, I want to start... Good
2: to be here, David.
1: Well, I want to start asking you a little bit about, to start with anyway, the global agenda. How it came about and how it relates to the UK. If you could just give a little bit of an explanation and then your take on it, please.
2: Yes. Um, well, the global agenda, I mean, we can track it back a, a good few years. Um, there was a discussion among the executive members of the International Federation of Social Workers. I was on the executive at that time. And we were aware that social workers around the world felt that their voice was not being heard enough, that um, people did not listen to them, politicians and uh, and policymakers. Um, And we knew that social work had good stories to tell, which were not getting out there. So we resolved that um, we had to provide leadership. We had to provide a a visible and audible um, presence for social work at the global level. And, of course, that connects to the national level and to the local level. These things are all interconnected. We then had discussions with the International Association of Schools of Social Work, um, who represent the universities, of course, and the International Council on Social Welfare, who are uh, an NGO network. We've worked together for many years, and we agreed that together we should develop a platform for social work to strengthen social work, to boost the self-confidence of social workers, and to increase our influence. Uh, That process built up to the 2010 World Conference in Hong Kong, which was centered on the agenda. And at that conference, 3,000 people took part. We came out with um, some, some core themes, including a focus on promoting equalities, Um, recognising human dignity, uh, recognising the importance of social work being connected to the environmental debates which were emerging in 2010 and that was then launched as the global agenda. It followed through to the Stockholm conference and now in July we have the Melbourne conference when we will be picking up on the first of those themes, uh, promoting social and economic equalities. Mm. So the agenda is about having confidence, about having a voice, about having a clear presence at global level for social work.
1: Okay, I was just going to say, I I mean, are you optimistic about the take-up? I mean, I know Melbourne will kind of help consolidate your views on this, but I mean, just at the moment, are you quite optimistic uh, coming up to Melbourne? Well, um, we will
2: be publishing the first report on the global agenda, Um, I have been editing that over the last few weeks, um, uh, particularly February and, and March. We have the first proofs already, so I can absolutely confidently say the first report will be published. It will be published as a supplement to International Social Work Journal. We have a good link with the Guardian newspaper that will be at the conference and will be covering it as well. So in that sense, this is a first for social work. It's a very significant step forward. Do I think everybody's engaged with it as well as they might be? Um, No, I don't think so. And particularly, we were keen to attract um, submissions from people about how social work practice was promoting equalities. And I think we would have liked to have heard more from people. And that, that I think, is the challenge for social work. It's something I know you're very passionate about, uh, David. That is that social workers need to talk more about what they do and about the effectiveness of what they do. And we need to find ways of getting that information and getting it into reports and getting it into the, the debate and getting it into um, the United
1: Nations and other national and regional fora. You're right. That's a particular passion of mine. And um, I, I think where I've always seen one of the stumbling blocks, if you like, and therefore something that we need to sort of try and loosen, is at the strategic level. Because to my view, and I don't, this is what I want to see if you agree with it, it's frontline social workers whose voices need to be heard as much as anybody else. And they need to be given, essentially, they need to be given permission to do this. I mean, would you agree with that?
2: Absolutely. I, I think we, we see all around the world what we also see in this country, that, that social work operates within very hierarchical organizations, They're different from health settings, although there are some similarities, but they're different from other professional settings, where professionals are respected for their own voice and for their own role. Of course people have to be accountable, of course managers and and, and boards and whatever structure we have to run organizations and be accountable for them. Politicians, they have to have their influence, they have a right to direct but the professional voice of the practice experience must be heard more strongly and uh, if that that is out of balance in the world at the moment and we hope the global agenda will begin to redress that balance
1: and we have some other ideas about how we might begin to do that. Well, say a bit about that. Why don't you? I mean, because, I mean, for me... It's about demystification, about some of the, you know, the myths that are flying around about what social workers do or what they don't do or whatever. And it really does provide stumbling blocks to trust, in my view.
2: Yeah, I, I, there are myths. And I think we have to accept some of the responsibility for the fact that these misunderstandings are around because it, it's down to us as a profession to explain what we do and to um, to describe what we do. Mm. and And... I know as an inspector in in this country, I I went around looking at the quality of practice. I must have visited around a third of the local authorities in in England um, doing that. It's quite a lot. And I know that there's really good practice going on in many places. And that sometimes, not always, but sometimes the first time that anybody has shown real interest in what people are doing is when the inspectors turn up to us. It's not their managers. It's not their bosses. I also know that, that managers and politicians are very nervous about social workers talking about what they do sometimes and, and don't want them to do it and feel that has to be managed um, through you know, complicated um, public relations strategies and so on, all of which are important. But can I give you a story of, of something that I was involved yeah, with? It's please. very practical. In, in um, Leicester, where I'm um, involved with safeguarding work, a while ago, we recognised that um, we needed to shift to, to give more support to practitioners to recognise their competence, their strengths. And, and that was after the Munro report, which was talking about the importance of enhancing the standing of professional social workers. And so the, the local council, the director, the director of safeguarding, um, talking with me about it, decided to set up a, a framework to enable the social workers and their managers, their immediate managers, to define the standards of practice that they thought were needed in the city. And That was a practitioner group that did that. They were supported with resources from the council. They came up with a set of standards, um, which were then approved by the council, they were published. Um, and then the practitioners began to be involved in auditing the, the implementation of those standards. In other words, uh, going to a, another team, somebody for one team would go to another team to look at how they were implementing them, whether there were gaps, whether there were problems. Mm-hmm. And the council supported those social workers to write an article for the Guardian newspaper which was published describing that process. Now, it, we need to have more of that trust in practitioners, support for them to do the job and respect. And then we need to share that, more of that um, around, not only around our country, but around the world. Yeah. And I, I find the same thing in most parts of the world, David, when I've been traveling around. I was president of IFSW, the international president, for four years. I've visited lots of countries. And... Basically, people are in very similar situations, feeling
1: frustrated they can't tell their stories. And we need to get it out there. Do you think, David, can I just just ask you just to follow up on that point for a second? I've always maintained that um, employers, if you like, local authorities in this country, voluntary agencies, etc., and you can tell me from other experiences you've had around the world, that they tend to confuse confidentiality with secrecy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I
2: think we are. Um, yes, there is a. Um, the, the, the first, the first point is that I can understand why. People are, are anxious about um, talking about some of the really complicated problems that that there are and what what's happening, but I think the world is um, is impatient with those approaches these days. Mm-hmm. People. People want to use the jargon words, they want transparency. At, at the bottom, the public is saying if we're paying a lot of money for these social workers to do things, we want to know what they're doing and if they're making a difference. Um, and I think that's a very fair challenge. Um, the, the, the public have a right to know how their money is spent, whether that's being spent in a voluntary organisation, a non-governmental organisation, a community organisation, a public agency, um, whatever way round uh, it goes. So we, we have to do that. The other thing that's changing is, is our whole approaches to confidentiality as a result of social media because there's um, uh, no doubt that the, the public's idea of what is private and confidential in their own lives is changing. People are putting so much of their own lives into the public domain, sometimes quite recklessly and, and sometimes to their own detriment. Yes. Um, but that is, that people do have a, live in a more open way, and I think that is challenging social workers to think, and other professionals, to think what does confidentiality really mean? Mm-hmm. And perhaps that is a, a good debate, it's painful, it's difficult, particularly when the public, um, somebody attacks a social worker for a decision about a child if being removed from care, and puts personal stuff about the social worker into the public domain and the social workers and the health visitors know stuff about the family and they're not sure whether they should put that into the public domain or not and that, that that's going to be, I think we've got a lot of work to do and a lot of uh, public debate about um, how much of the the rationale for social work decisions should now go into the public domain, even if it is very personal.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, David. I mean, I I actually think that I don't understand, if you like, why we don't have many more um, examples on all forms of media, whether you mentioned social, but also broadcast, also written, in which we actually say, look, when We're looking to, to whether or not a child needs safeguarding or not, or a child needs removal from family or not. These are the criteria that we look at. This is yeah. the process we go through. These are the steps we take. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. You know, we can't, we, social workers can't just walk into somebody's house, and social workers can't just remove a child. They've got to go to a court and so on and so forth. But, and so listen to this, please, media. This is what happens. So, when you know, Billy or little Billy or little Betty or whatever hits the headlines, you know, sure, we can't talk about that particular case right now, but we told you last week what happens in the process, so at least you've got an understanding of what we're doing behind the scenes. Yes, and
2: uh, And it's quite possible to, to, um, it's an interesting challenge, David, to say, well, should we, that we could make videos that go online. Um, you can involve uh, it's, it's quite possible on YouTube and all the rest of it these days to to say this is how we go about it. We can use actors sometimes. It may be that there are people who are willing to talk about their own experiences. Mm. Um, we, we do need to be more creative in explaining what we do and why we do it because we we know that um, we, we've got research evidence increasingly backing up our our work. We've got decades of experience that is backing it up um, and we have to be confident enough to be able to share that with the public and convince them that we're going about it in the right way. And One of the reasons why in this country we see such, in my view, destructive lurches of policy around children's services in particular, but we're seeing some of that in adult services as well, is that politicians get frustrated and, and opinion leaders get frustrated that things don't seem to be improving they don't see what's going on behind the the practice and 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 they're they're saying well we've got to step in and and shake this up and 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 I think it's down to us as social workers to be much more clear and confident about what we're doing and why and I think that to say to to politicians and and other leaders we do not need these constant structural changes the real challenge is what is happening in direct work with families. What is happening between social workers, health visitors, GPs, police officers and families. What are the skills we need to do that work and stop constantly changing the, the, the structures which really make it um, are so distracting and in my
1: view actually make things more dangerous. <clears throat> I mean there are so many aspects of um, our social life that, that social workers get involved with and, and are trained to, to make a difference in and to help improve the quality of people's lives. I mean, I'm just taking that point and maybe moving back again to your international experience. I mean, I, I, I've been aware of these, we talked before about regional observatories around the world, David. I mean, yes. could you just explain a little bit what they are and how they might relate to um, Britain? Well, the what is clear is that we need a, a global
2: and a regional infrastructure to, to provide the, the engine of research, if you like, but also to provide a focus for telling some of these stories. That doesn't sound terribly academic language in a way, but that, that's um, one way of putting it or to, to bring together the evidence about what social work is doing. Um, We know, for example, that um, Human Rights Watch um, publish an annual report which goes to the United Nations um, and and has a huge impact because it is credible, because it's based on good research, um, because it's based on current knowledge. And we're in a position to bring together a social report um, of the same sort of kind on the United Nations actually publishes every year a social situation report. And it's really interesting and it's very helpful and, it, and the one that was published on last year talked about particularly the risks of rising inequality, um, the problems of austerity, the problems of, of the deteriorating and worsening situation of, of poorer people um, and uh, you know, some of those things uh, which are really connect with social work. Well. It's our responsibility to tell that story um, globally. And the way we're going to do it is that the three organisations described, that's the International Federation, the International Association of Schools of Social Work and the International Council on Social Welfare, will be inviting bids from um, universities in partnership with agencies. We're looking at partnerships here of practitioners and academics um, and non-governmental organisations um, to bid to provide this regional observatory function. Yeah, observatory is a well-known model um, in Europe and around the world for being a centre for research and commentary on a particular area of, of practice. So we are being, we will aim to a point uh, to, to create five regional observatories in each of the five regions of the world. And that may be a partnership of three or four universities, um, some practice agencies some some non governmental organizations they will be accountable through the through global bodies and they will produce every second year a report on the state of social work and, and a particular aspect of social work it's very similar to the Red cross they publish an annual report on disasters in the world and they pick a different theme each year and we will look to these observatories to collect evidence about social work practice and to collect it not only through um, established research but also through submissions from practitioners and in a whole diverse uh, sort of uh, way so that every second year at our World Conference we can say to the world and to the United Nations this is our evidence about the state of society in the world the issues that we're concerned about this year it's on, on social um, equalities, promoting equalities. In two years' time in Seoul in 2016, the focus will be on promoting human dignity. And uh, we think that we can slowly, over time, build that up if we have got the confidence to stick with the model so that the, the world social report from the profession yeah. will attract a major international interest and have an impact on governments.
1: Okay. So, um, you know that this podcast goes to many countries and in in all continents. And what you've just said about the um, model for these observatories obviously might well be listened to by practitioners, academics, universities, whoever, all around the world. if they are interested in participating in that, could you just give an idea how they would get in touch or who they would get in touch with, presumably IFSW, I don't know, and um, to register their interest in participating?
2: Absolutely. Um, well, we hope um, that um, within the next few days there will be the first information on the websites of those three organisations Um, IFSW is ifsw.org, a very easy website. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can Google International Association of Schools of Social Work. Um, And uh, International Council on Social Welfare is icsw.org. And we will be launching the formal process in the beginning of July at the Melbourne Conference. So um, register for interest there and watch their website as well. And there will be a formal process of submitting bids, and uh, that will then be considered. And we hope the appointments will
1: be made in, uh, by February of um, next year.
0: Yeah,
1: fine. Well, I just, I, I hope that, um, I, and I expect, to be honest with you, that there'll be a lot of interest around the world in that initiative, because it certainly sounds like a, a terrific way to focus on the subjects.
2: Uh, that's the aim and of course it doesn't replace all the other things that are going on which of course are all good and, and helpful but yeah. it's about pro- providing a, a, a global and regional infrastructure so that uh, our voice and our our stories, our, our experiences can be channeled in a way that does have the influence and the the, the impact that frankly they deserve because the, the world society is, you know, is in a mess and um, I know before, before this, we were talking about numbers of different situations, but one of the situations that, that we were talking about, that we were discussing this podcast with whether we should touch on the situation in Nigeria. Yes. And yeah. um, it, of course, as, as we speak, people are holding their breath about negotiations and um, there's high politics involved and of course, there's, there's military issues and so on. Everybody is supporting the idea of bringing the girls home. um, The girls who've been taken by Boko Haram and are uh, currently captive. But as social workers, we have to think, well, okay, yes, we want them to come home and that's an absolute priority. But what do they come home to and what will be their, their experience? Who will be there to help them make sense of the experience that they've had? And we know there's a lot of research about being held a captive and a hostage and, and that does things to your mind and to your emotions which um, are not necessarily what, what you would expect. Um, but more importantly, what sort of society are they coming back to and what sort of world have we created where um, these these sorts of situations can arise? And I my own view is that, and this is backed up by lots of United Nations research, I was touching on earlier, but um, other work by Wilkinson and um, the new book, um, now receiving a lot of attention Piketty's book on inequality from um, the French economists. That we are seeing the consequences of a world which has growing inequality, and that's a dangerous environment.
1: I remember when you were General Secretary of the British Association of Social Workers and its chief executive, and it was at the same time I was the honorary chair. Yeah. I remember headlines of the day that always reflected this as well, which you could say was depressing because here we are many years on. Yeah. Um, I mean, But the issue for me always has been one of the paradox that the involvement of social work because for my mind an awful lot of people will argue very powerfully about social work being all about conflict resolution yeah And on the other hand, we never hear of anything to do with social work when there are conflicts because it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be just say domestic <coughs> violence or something like that within a household or dysfunctional families. you're talking you could talk about dysfunctional societies where social work is a huge part to play as well yeah. Some of the stuff that you've just been illustrating, The resolution of conflict as a core uh, value and activity within social work seems to apply, yet we never hear of social workers being involved in anything like that. I mean, that would certainly um, help the profile, wouldn't it?
2: Well, yes. Um, One of the things I've found um, going around the world is that social workers are often in places where you don't hear about them, partly because they don't say they're social workers. Um, I remember having a discussion with somebody quite senior in the United Nations who was dealing with with the regional coordinator for disaster response in in a particular part of the world. And he was a social worker. He was speaking at a social work conference. And afterwards, he said, it's so nice to be in a social work environment again. Um, I miss it so much. And uh, I said to him, well, uh, why are you not involved? Why don't you get involved? And he said, well, I'm now in disasters and so on. I said, well, do you call yourself a social worker? And he said, well, no, I don't, actually. It's a, bit, it's a bit difficult. And I said, well, people who are nurses or psychologists don't lose their profession when they go to other areas. Um, it's up to those of us who are in senior positions to let people know that we're social workers and that social workers are in key positions. I know in lots of non-governmental organizations, lots of places, people are involved in, in um, qualified
1: social workers. Um, So that's part of our responsibility. Absolutely, David, couldn't agree more. Well, listen, I've got just two more quick questions, if I may, for you. One is bringing it back to um, this country for a second and talking about um, social work qualifications in this country, Um, because I know that's something that you've been steeped in over the last many years. I mean, what, what's your take on it at the moment? Have we reached the right balance, the right level? Are we are we getting the right input? Um, are, are, what changes do we need still, or, or are we should we say, well, that's enough, it's enough changing for the moment. Let's just see how this goes.
2: Well, um, it feels as if um, for the last twenty years there have been constant um, question marks over the, the structure of social work qualifications. The really good thing in this country is that the leaders of all the political parties, and uh, most opinion leaders, I think, are saying social work is really important, we've got to get it right, we've got to improve the standing of social workers, and we've got to make sure the quality of practice is good. That is really excellent and it's really welcome. What I think is a total distraction is the debate about whether we should split children's social work and adult social work into different strands of qualifications. Um, I think that is uh, a, a fundamental misunderstanding of, of what social work is about, the skills that are needed, the training that is required. Um, and uh, I think so long as there's these constant threats um, hanging over social work qualifications, it's very difficult to get on to improve the quality of, of the, um, the teaching uh, itself. Um, so I think that is a distraction. Um, but what I'm absolutely sure about is that we need people who have the intellect and the emotional intelligence to do this really demanding and complex work really well and uh, that requires uh, the investment and it requires a constant focus on the skills of practice and I would like to see much more discussion about practice skills rather than structural changes and um, the organizational framework um, how do we make help families to change when do we need to intervene and how can we reduce the numbers of children coming into care whilst in, for example whilst improving their their care at home so they don't um, get into difficulties themselves you could say the same about mental
1: health um, and uh, there are all the areas around personalisation okay now finally thanks for that i couldn't agree more actually but finally david there's An increasing use, as we're talking at the moment, uh, in in, in the digital world and the increasing kind of impact that it's having on how we deliver services. I just wondered if you have a a view about the landscape that's changed in terms of how social work is actually delivered to the populations, Um, whether it's, you know, we're talking on Skype now, so whether it's doing home visits on Skype which I actually think has got ethical question marks over it as well but whatever or all sorts of other different innovations that are coming up to improve people's lives. Do you think that social work is changing fast enough to accommodate this? Um, I doubt
2: whether uh, the the thinking is changing fast enough because um, Talk with younger people who are involved or it's not only younger people actually my mother is ninety, and um, she uses Skype and follows on Facebook and uh, um, and so forth um, but uh, that the pace of the physical communication world is changing so quickly it, it is a challenge mm-hmm. I know of places where um, counseling has been done by text or by um, long-distance and um, digital communication. Um, I know situations in youth work, for example, where um, being able to have text contact with young people is helping them to keep out of trouble and um, avoid uh, committing offences. There are all sorts of ways in which we can use the, the digital revolution, and it's going to change our world, and uh, it inevitably will change the way social work operates. I think,
1: yeah. That's but in my... the
2: end, it's, it's a... a you cannot take away the fundamentals, that social work has to start from a respect for the people um, and to start where they are, and if they're using digital communication, then that's where we have to do it.
1: No, that's my feeling as well, actually, David. I mean, we can't put genies back in the bottle again. Well, look, one final sentence from you, if I may. We haven't got much time, but one final sentence. Remembering that we're actually essentially broadcasting to social workers around the world here, as a past president of the International Federation of Social Workers, what message would you like to give out briefly to our colleagues around the globe? Well, the first one is to, to thank people for their commitment to this really difficult and
2: very, very important task. It's one of the most important things that people can do in our world, is to help people and help communities um, resolve their difficulties and, and move forward positively. So, there's a thank for that. Secondly, tell your stories. Find ways of telling people about the, the things that you have done, and particularly the partnerships you have with communities and with service users, with people, so that we can show that people have strengths. And it's building on those strengths that um, is uh, essential for our world, valuing people, respecting them and uh, the social workers are in the front line
1: of that really challenging task. So thank you to all of you who are doing it. Right. David Jones, it's been a pleasure having you on the programme. Thank you again.
2: Thanks very much, David.
0: Well, thanks ever so much to David Jones, and thanks to you again for listening. I hope you're enjoying these series. I am. And I hope you can give me some more feedback because the more the merrier. I'd love you to go onto iTunes and leave reviews and give feedback. I'd love you to hit Speakpipe, just that one click, just beside the uh, blogs and the podcasts. And tell me what you think of the episodes. I really value your comments and I would love to hear it. I'd love to publish. I'd love to to, to let some of you actually be heard on air. That would be my... uh, object of this. This would be the way to do it. It's got to be driven by you. So I hope you're enjoying it. At Dave Niven is the Twitter feed. Um, You can get us on LinkedIn. You can get us on um, iTunes. You can leave reviews there. You can just leave reviews on the website itself. As I said, SpeakPipe, whatever. We really would like you to give your reviews. So please, please give some more. It's got to be interactive. We're building up quite an audience, and therefore you'd be speaking to and influencing lots of people around the world. And that's what this is all about, the Social World Podcast. Now, next week, I'm hoping to get a good guest. I'm hoping to do uh, an interview with John Brown, who's a very senior figure in the National Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Children in in the UK. That's uh, NSPCC. Anyway, until then, again, thanks for listening.